around I finally see I think I need a change The rat race I wanna flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and today I'm joined by Dwayne LeGros. Dwayne has a uh, great YouTube channel called Off Grit. I love the name. Uh, and uh, he's doing some really cool things, and he's doing it in a place that I probably wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> You're doing it out there in the kind of in the, the, the drought lands of Arizona, right? I mean, Dwayne, why don't you take a minute and just kind of let uh, people know uh, who you are and uh, kind of what you do there. All right. My name is Dwayne LeGroe, and I call myself an off-grid homesteader. And I do my homesteading out in southern Arizona, um, in Cochise County. It's a high desert. We're at a 4,200-foot elevation. So it, it's it's definitely a different climate than I think most people would be accustomed to. Yeah. So, But I did grow up in uh, northeast Ohio. And I moved out. I moved out here when I was like 19 years old. So I've been in the desert longer than I've been, you know, that I grew up in Ohio. So I am familiar with that type of weather, you know. I just, but I don't miss it, to be honest with you. I've I've kind of gotten myself uh, acclimated to this. So yeah, that's what I do. I'm building a homestead from the ground up out here. Uh, we bought some vacant land and decided that we wanted to build our own house and our own homestead farm. The whole the whole works. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a challenge. I mean, being out there, you're right. There are challenges everywhere you homestead. Ohio, I mean, with winters and things, I mean, there's definitely a challenge. But uh, water does seem to fall from the sky here and water our stuff, uh, which is kind of <laughs> nice. I'm in Indiana, so I'm, you know, I'm real close yep. to there. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's different. The soil's probably more, you know, it's probably better for growing. The rain's actually kind of nice. Uh, you, you know, you've had to work with your stuff a lot probably to get it, get it ideal. Um, and, uh, yeah, I want to hear yes. about that. I want to hear about some of the things you're doing, because it sounds like you're doing some pretty cool things, uh, with some unique challenges. And I will admit, I think a lot of folks that, I mean, that listen to this podcast, they, they know what we talk about a lot is our own experiences. You know, Rachel, who's my co-host normally, she's up in Michigan. I'm in Indiana. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about a lot of the things that you're dealing with. Uh, right, so right. I'm, I'm definitely anxious to hear a little bit about that for, for folks that are more in that uh, kind of a climate because it is unique. It's not, it's not what we deal with here. Uh, let's talk about if we could first, um, maybe rainwater. What do you do to water your plants? Well, um, when you buy property out here, you know, you either specifically where I'm at in this County, uh, everybody here has a well or they haul water mm-hmm. or you do water catchment. Um, Right now, what I do is I do mostly water catchment, and if I have to, I can haul water. I don't have a well yet, um, and we're still deciding whether we even want to go that route because it can be pretty expensive. So yeah. water, yeah, the wells can be anywhere from you know 300 foot to 700 foot deep out here, and uh, they get pretty expensive. Oh, yeah. So right now, I'm doing water catchment 
I've been living off rainwater out here for the last seven months. How, how and, long have you been out there? You've been out there a couple of years doing this, building this homestead, right? I'll be two years at the end of June, this June. So I haven't lived out here for for less than two years. But I was, I bought, we bought the property and I was doing like weekend warrior where I would just come out here when I could, uh, you know, drive out here, stay out here for a couple of days, do as much work as I could, then go back and forth. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, we, we made the move at the end of uh, June, right at the, right at the beginning of monsoon season. So it was, that was interesting. Was it vacant land or was there a house on the property or? No, it's completely vacant land. Um, yeah, of course, you know, you get a really good deal on property out here. Land's very cheap as you can yeah. imagine. Uh, but it's, it's vacant desert property. So, you know, you're dealing with, you got to decide like, what what your plan is and so you know we we contemplated uh having a house built but one of the reasons that i i don't know if you've heard of people doing this out here a lot you might have seen a few people where we're at in this county uh, cochise county in arizona we have this thing called the owner builder opt-out and what that means is is i can be my own general contractor and i don't have to deal with the uh, you know, inspections and things like that. So there's a lot, a lot of relaxed uh, building codes, I guess you would say out here. Right, and one it's reason also to very, be there, if nothing else, that's one reason to, to start a homestead out yeah, there for sure. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of people doing what I'm doing out here. There's a, there's a whole network of people that do this kind of stuff out here, but we're pretty spread out. It's a big County. So, oh, yeah. you know, I don't ever run into any of these, these guys, but um, yeah, there's a lot of people doing it because of the relaxed building codes. People move here from all over the place, but they also see the challenges of this, this desert too. You know, I think that, that can really hit you hard. Uh, if you're not used to this, it's like, it'd be like going anywhere, you know, it'd be like me going to Alaska. You know, yeah. if I, if I went to Alaska, man, I would be in trouble, you know, cause yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that environment. And so out here, you know, like you said, water's the number one thing. That's the very first thing you got to think about, you know, when you're living in the desert is what are you going to do for water? So, and with, with our rainfall here in Cochise County, we get, you know, anywhere from sometimes I would say seven inches to 14 tops. Uh, you know, per year for rainfall. So, you know, most of the time we're in the 10, 10 inch range for, for rain. So, and when we do get the rain, it all comes at once. So we have monsoon season that, you know, will start at the mid June and it'll go all the way through the end of August. And that's when we're going to get almost all of our rainfall for the whole year and yeah. that time period. And so, what that what challenges that brings, of course, is that if you're going to live off rainwater, you can't just have, say, a thousand gallon, uh, you know, storage tank. You know, there's people out here building twenty five thousand to thirty thousand gallon tanks yeah. because all that water is going to come at once. So you have to have a way to store all that water. Yeah, a couple so, IBC yeah. totes aren't going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you, you do what you can, you know, if you that's what you can afford initially. But, yeah, if you're going to have a long term strategy out here for that yeah you're gonna you're gonna have to invest in some infrastructure for sure something that really catches people off guard out here is they don't realize the temperature swings that we get in a very short amount of time so it can be 70 degrees you know at noon and then it could be 35 degrees you know at at one o'clock you know in the morning 12 o'clock at night so we we get these really big temp swings 
in a matter of hours. And so you, it, it really, you know, can wreak havoc on your body. You know, if you're not used to it, it just, it'll, it'll catch you off guard for sure. So we and your garden and your animals and everything else. At, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. there's a, you know, you might as well be growing on Mars out here compared to some places, you know. It kind of looks like yeah. it, you know, when you're out in that area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when the monsoons come, it'll, I mean, it's amazing. I have pictures of the property when, when we get the monsoons. I mean, it's all green here. We got every, all the trees are growing. And then now it looks like, you know, a hellscape. You know, there's yeah. just nothing out here. It's, it's pretty oh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so. I guess I should back up a little bit and, and we mm-hmm. jump straight into the rainwater. I took you straight there, but cause I was just curious about that, but mm-hmm. what even, what even led you into this lifestyle? I mean, what made you not, it, not even just homestead where you are, but made you want to be a homesteader in the first place? Well, yeah. So that one, I got to go back a little further. Um, you know, so I started gardening as a way to deal with depression because I had read an article somewhere about it and i was dealing with you know kind of a the feeling like i i used to fight i was a mixed martial artist when i was younger and i did that i was moonlighting doing that while i was working at a, at a state prison out, out here and so it was something that was a big part of my life it was something that i did you know i i just lived it and all of a sudden you know i start getting injuries you start getting older you realize you know you're just not gonna be able to do this anymore and so i really you know, instead of just continuously training and not competing, I just, for me, it was better just to get away from it completely, you know, the sport. But when I did that, you know, I stopped working out. I stopped doing all, all the things that were keeping me healthy and just kind of got into this funk, you know, this real, just a depression. I was feeling down all the time. And so I read an article somewhere, I don't know where, but basically saying that, you know, they're, they're finding out studies that gardening helps, helps with depression and all that. So that was my gateway into homestead. Really? And then wow. from, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, so, and that's where I, I met my wife, you know, when I was, when I was fighting and everything. So, and we're still married. And so, so it was a big part of my life and I'm very thankful for, for what it brought me in. And it actually, I use a lot of similar approaches out here, the mindset, you know, of, of competing and things like that. So, so I, I really just dove, dove into gardening and out here, as you know, it's challenging the garden out here if you're new at it. And at the time I was living in Tucson, which is way hotter than where I'm at now. And, you know, of course I, I, I suck at it. I, I couldn't grow anything. I, you know, because I, I fell into that mindset. I think a lot of new people do where I just like, you know, I'm just going to grow what I want to grow. So if I want to grow tomatoes right now, that's what I'm going to grow kind of thing. And that's the first mistake, right? You start yeah. realizing like, oh yeah, there's seasons to this stuff. You know, lettuce like you in the heat grow. of Try to grow some lettuce in the heat of summer or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, that's how I approached gardening. I was like going to impose my will on nature, you know, and that's, that's when I realized, you know, that, okay, you know, there's a big learning curve here. So, so, so I started off that way with gardening. And then as time went on, I started listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos. Those are probably the main sources for me to where I really started discovering homesteading itself. And we were in an HOA neighborhood at the time. And one of the things that I, I, I joke about it, but the HOA really did drive me to where I'm at now. Like we were living in an HOA. I went to put a high tunnel up in my backyard, you know, because, uh, 
out here, you know, you want to keep that shade cloth as, as high off the plants as possible. So you don't, you know, cook your plants. Right. So I wanted a nice, tall, you know, high tunnel. Yeah. But that went and of course, I, <laughs> oh yeah, got the notice, you know, and then basically not allowed to do that. And then of course, then I wanted chickens, which I was going to get them anyways. So I went and got chickens and then it was, uh, you know, next thing you know, another notice. And then it just, it got to a point where you felt like, I felt like a criminal in my own backyard. It was crazy, that feeling, you know, and it, and just realizing that, that this is, this is crazy. So, so the lifestyle self-sufficiency thing, I did start back, back in the, um, suburbia, you know, that's when I was really studying things. I was practicing a lot of gardening techniques. I was I got chickens. I learned, you know, through having chickens, which they also say is a gateway to homesteading as well. And then uh, we ended up listening to another podcast about buying land. And my wife had discovered this podcast and we were saying, you know, let's let's buy some land. And so what we did was we sent out a bunch of letters like, you know, handwritten ones. We didn't we didn't just do the you know, the form ones that you probably get for your property or something, you know, but we, we sent letters out to people and eventually someone took us up on it and that's how I ended up with this property. Nice. So, uh, so your, so your wife yeah. was completely on board with uh, homesteading as well at this time. You guys both kind of, yeah, my, my wife. Okay. So she, she's a research scientist. So she's, she's full time doing that and she has to travel and stuff. So she mm-hmm. tries to do this when she can, yeah. you know, she, she loves it, but you know, she loves being outside and being around nature, but you know, right now she's got a really good career. So it's kind of, you know, sure. hard for her to dive into this completely, but, but yeah, she was all on board with it. You know, Great. she's, she, that's what, that's, what's cool. You know, she's always on board to do whatever, you know, she, she's, you know, she's very adventurous that way. So, so yeah, she was, she was all for it. It was basically her idea to do the letter thing that we did, you know, and, and basically just went on the, you know, look at parcels online. I think every County and state has it differently, but there's a parcel map here. And we were just looking at properties that were basically, we would, it's amazing how much information's on there. First of all, yeah. So I was kind of shocked actually at how much information you can find on people and things. So yeah, yeah you click a button, you know, you, you're like, you get their tax information, you get yeah. all this information. So I kind of felt a little weird about it, you know, for a while. I was like, man, this is kind of intrusive, you know, but you know, it's now, out there. Now it's so, your name on that stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, and I get the letters now, you know, so, yeah. so anyways, we found a couple parcels that looked like, it was owned by like a, this was owned by a church. The property that we had basically what it ended up happening was is that someone had gifted the property to the church, um, and the church had owned this property for like fifteen years, and they were just cutting checks every year for the taxes, and it just looked like they weren't doing anything with it. So we we tried to find properties similar to that that where they looked like they were just holding it, but there was nothing going on. You know, so, so that's how we ended up getting this property. Oh, and, uh, uh, how many acres is it? Uh, this is 15 acres. Oh, wow. Nice little piece of property. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's cool is there's nothing around here either. You know, yeah. I do have a train at the very corner of our property. So that's interesting. Like, I mean, it's, it's right here. You know, this is train country out here. We have, yeah, we have, yeah. have a train going through our town and, um, I'm close to, uh, Tombstone, Arizona. Okay. Yeah. You know, the, the tombstone. Yeah. yeah so that, I know the that movies and the books. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. We're out in the wild west out here. So, yeah, no so, kidding. um, yeah. So, 
So we don't have anything across from us. We have state trust land to the other side. Um, and we have, you know, I don't have any real neighbors out here. My closest neighbors about, you know, three quarters of a mile up the road. So, so yeah, it's, it's nice. You know, it, it's, it does take getting used to with the train though. Yeah. That, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. I, I grew up real close to a train too. We had one kind of, you know, spitting distance in our backyard used to cut the, right at the back end of our property when I was growing uh-huh. up. And it's amazing to me how you'll get so used to that sound that you hardly even notice it after a while. It's yeah. really, like it won't even wake you up at night or anything. It's really weird. <laughs> no, we, that's what we were saying because we initially, when we got the property, we were kind of like, oh, we might, this might just be kind of a, maybe a flip or something, or, you know, maybe we'll just hold it. We weren't really sure if we were going to really actually try to build here, you know, because of the train. And we were like, well, let's, let's just give it some time and see. But they, like you said, I don't even, it doesn't even wild. phase me it's anymore. amazing what you'll just block out. Um, There's one going by right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so you definitely got this land that has obvious challenges. We can talk about some of the tougher things about it here in a few minutes. But so what was your first steps? I mean, did you start building a house? Did you put up a greenhouse? Did you barn? What, 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 how'd you kind of handle this once you, once you got on the land? Okay. So to... to Go back a little bit. I, I kind of do this, but I have to go back and tell people that what I did for a profession was I was a welder. So I actually, so when I said I worked at the prison, I worked there for an amount of time, but I actually took up welding and had been welding for many years. And, and uh, so I did a lot with infrastructure already and had a, had a background in it. So I, I kind of didn't come out here completely green when it came to that stuff. So I, I did have a little bit you know, of experience that way with building in general. And I used to help my dad do things, you know, when we were growing up, he remodeled our house and we did all kinds of work like that. So when I first came out here, the first thing that I did was built a habitat for my chickens because we were still in our HOA neighborhood and I had to get these chickens, (laughs) you know, I just kind of threw myself into it. I said, all right, I got to get these chickens out of here, man. Cause it's, you know, it just, it was causing problems and we didn't know how long we were still going to be at the other house. Let me stop you just for a second. How far away from your house is this where you was living then? Uh, It's about an hour and a half. Okay. So it's pretty good haul. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's not real close, you know? So, so it's quite a bit of a drive back. So when I come out here, I would stay out here for two to three days at a time. Okay. And, you know, I'd sleep in my car, I'd sleep in, in a tent, you know? So, I mean, I got pictures looking back where, yeah, I was out here in a tent. I was built, I built this really big pallet structure for my chickens, you know, like, well, yeah. really big for chickens. It was like a 1600 square footage, you know, for the chickens to have a place to basically have their own run in a coop there. Yeah. So that was the very first thing I built. And then right after that, I built uh, an earth bag building, which uh, is, I built it with sandbags. So I don't know if you saw that online or not. But, uh, yeah, I've seen it. yeah, I was looking at your YouTube channel and seen a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, it's kind of a trendy thing out here. People building with these these things they call earth bags. And so what I did was I took sandbags to just give other people an idea of what it is took these sandbags, filled them up with dirt and filled up about a thousand of them and made a building out of them. So put the, put a, you know, put a little, uh, foundation underneath it and just build an outbuilding out of them. And took, you know, took me a while. It took me close to a year to get that building done. But, 
but yeah, that's, that was the next thing I did because that was what we, we decided we wanted to build our house with, with these earth bags because, you know, thermal mass for anybody who's not familiar with it, it's a big thing for, for us out here because, you know, that's the ability to hold heat. So, you know, if you have a building with a lot of thermal mass, that means that basically the building itself can hold the heat before it gets into your house. So it basically keeps it cooler here in the summer. Yeah. So is it, is it working pretty well for you? It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, it, yes and no. Uh, there's a couple things I learned in the process, but that's that goes back to why I built that first, because mm-hmm. one of the things that I realized, I said, OK, if I'm actually going to try to build my own house out here, which which is what I'm taking on now. Um, I can be a general contractor out here. So it means I can hire out things and it's, you know, whatever I want to hire out. Like we had somebody put our septic in, for example, we had a, you know, I had a company come out here. They did the septic. It's done. I don't have to mess with that. So, you know, I decided, okay, well, what part of the house do I want to take on? Do I want to take on this, that? So I said, you know, I've never built a house before. So I think I should probably start off by building a couple buildings first just to see how this goes, because maybe maybe I completely suck at it, you know, and I, it might not be a good idea to just start right on your house. Right. People do that out here. It's, it's yeah. actually crazy. But some people just they'll start right on their house. No yeah. experience, you know, and so yeah, I was learn as you go, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Not not something I wanted to learn as I go on, a, on my house. So I said, all right. I'm going to try this first on this out building, you know, this earth bag building and see how this goes. And then, like you said, see how it works out. Like, how is this thermal mass? Like, how does it work? What are the temperatures like? Um, so, so yes, it does work. Uh, it stays a very consistent temperature in that building, which is really cool. And that's without adding heating or cooling. Um, so like right now it's 60 degrees in that building, whether it's 30 degrees outside or 70 degrees outside so i can go in that building anytime right now and it'll be the same temperature now the trick is though is that building will also throughout the year the temperature will raise in that building based on like the soil temps out here because i i didn't add that it's also partially in ground it's like three feet in the ground so so when you're in there it's like almost a mirror of what our soil temps are out here you know so so i can get an idea and say, oh, all right, our soil temps are around 60 degrees now. So now I can start planting. So that's kind of cool. So yeah. what I've been doing is just keeping track on an Excel file of the temps in there, the beginning of the month, middle of the month, end of the month, and just use that, you know, to nice. see, okay. Yeah. yeah. So so the only thing about those types of buildings is they're they're terrible insulators, though. So they're, you know, they don't have any R value. Yeah. Really, I mean, they have some, but not a lot. So, you know, the ideal thing to do would be to build something that has thermal mass and also insulation, you know, on the inside walls. Yeah, inside walls. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's what that's what we're going to end up doing on our house. But yeah, but I wouldn't have known that had I not built a building like this first. I've seen the people, you know, like do the tires, pack them with the mm-hmm. with, with sand and dirt and whatever, and you know, do the, the tires that way. And that I've never seems like they always just don't don't put any insulation on top of that because like, that ins- i guess i thought that insulated as well as the thermal mass i i uh seems like it works pretty well in those kind of climates like yours i didn't know if there was a difference in that versus the bags of what it would do but yeah i, mm-hmm. I was curious about that no it, it works like i said but it's just it just depends on how much comfort you want you know yeah. if you want you know it's it's all just comes down to to what what your preferences are you know and for me if, 
you know, when I'm sleeping at night, I like to know, I like to control my temperature. You know, I want to know that I can, you know, pick, choose the temperature I want. So, yeah. you know, definitely you, want to try to get, go ahead. No, I was saying you're completely off grid. You don't have electricity running to your property other than maybe solar panels or whatever. I mean, you're doing everything yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. So that was the next thing that I did out here. Once we moved out here was I set up our solar. Okay. Um, when I say set up our solar, I mean, I bought all the parts, all the components, all the batteries, the solar panels, and I did it all myself. So I have a, a power cart right now. I'm in an RV while we're building our house. So I, I live basically live in an RV and I set up this cart. I welded a cart together and on the cart, I have my uh, lithium batteries on it. I have my couple inverters. I've got all the all the components, my BMS, everything hooked into my solar panels. So I have a 3.5 kilowatts worth of panels. I have a 6,000 watt inverter and about 14 kilowatts of battery. You know, okay. so so between all those and that that we're probably going to add more battery and and more panels. You know, for the house itself. But right now it's 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 working. How, how many? I'm seeing a picture behind you right now. Are those your solar panels I'm seeing a picture of? Oh, that was a side gig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. that was actually for a, that's for a well pump. Yeah. Okay. That was that's that's a lot of solar, solar panels pump. I'm seeing in that picture. <laughs> yeah, but I actually do have uh I was trying to see. I'm not even gonna mess with this because I'll screw no, something. I just thought that might have been it. But no, but the the power card itself, um, yeah, I have about how many panels do I have up? Fourteen panels right now, okay. two hundred and fifty watt panels. Right. And I would like to double that capacity. Oh. And I'm in, you know, we're in like what they call the Persian Gulf of the sun out here. So, you know, for us, I mean, solar is the way to go. Works for sure. Well out there. Yeah. 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 I would imagine where you're at, it, it could be, I mean, you, I, well, people do it, but man, you winter time would panels. be, yeah. Winter time. We get days with just gray skies and you don't want to see the sun. So yeah, it would be brutal on the, in the winter time. Yeah, I I follow some people that do this in the winter, and it's uh, they got a lot of panels. Though. Yeah, you know, because yeah, you need a lot, a lot of, of storage, and, a lot of storage batteries too. I mean, that's what I think it's more about. You know, really be able to store that and use it when you don't have sun, and be able to just kind of mm-hmm. hold on to it. I think that's the bigger key, even here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, so you got your solar going. Now that was a learn as you go. You didn't have any experience with solar, right? You just kind of learned that as you went. Yeah, just learned it as I went. I mean, yeah. I, I should say, add that I I did set up a smaller system before I got to this system. Okay. That I played around with it. Well, so when I was coming out here doing the Weekend Warrior thing, I actually bought a few panels, got a couple used batteries, mm-hmm. you know, just to learn how these components worked, you know. Got got my got my little inverter and and the charge controller and just you know to piece it all together to figure out how this worked and uh, yeah then after that it was YouTube University all the way and that, <laughs> it works doesn't it <laughs> you can learn a lot it sure does I mean I'm yeah. I'm still alive yeah so I I've, I've had this running for over a year now and it's it's been great so I just control everything from my phone I I can actually just yeah. go on my phone and check my BMS see see how everything's doing so it's just kind of like you're your own power company you what know? kind of internet are you cool. running because i mean i'm talking to you on video and it seems like that's working pretty well how are you doing that out there well yeah so the internet uh, a lot of people do starlink out yeah. here yeah which i do not but okay. 
right now all I'm using is my cell service talking okay. to you, but I have a cell, but I have a booster. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought a pretty expensive cell booster and I have it set up in my RV. I did have high speed internet out here for a while, but, uh, just, it was costing a lot. You know, we were I doing, see. uh, all the- what was this other system? Uh, we, we do some camping. We actually have a, a camper we keep at a, at a campground and, and, uh, we don't have internet out there and we always use our phone, but I was looking at Starlink and I was looking at, there was this other one that's, that was out there too. And a lot of RVers use it and it runs through cell service. Um, but it was mm-hmm. an unlimited one. I can't remember what it's called now. I might have to look that up and put that in the show notes if I think of it later. But, uh, yeah, I know there's a couple of good options out there, but they're, none of them are cheap though. They're all pretty, pretty expensive. The yeah. Unlimited well, data. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's just for for me. I mean, I can load all my stuff on YouTube out here. Uh, just as long as I'm close to this booster, I got full bars right now. And so, you know, it's it's really working pretty well. I mean, when it just depends, like if you're, you know, like my wife, for example, she has to go into the office for Internet because, you know, she's doing constant meetings like this all the time. And so she can't be relying on a cell phone service to power the internet so you know luckily for her she has an office so you know and she she's she's in tucson right now actually while i'm talking to you so so yeah she works at a university so she for her the internet's a little bit of a different story yeah. you know but but for me personally yeah it's it's fine you know my I, I only ask because i know a lot of folks that maybe would think about going oh, this it's, path and it's do a this. big deal Today, you know, today's, you know, just the lifestyle of folks today. I mean, it's something that you have to consider because it's how we might. 100%. Even, if, even if you were completely off grid and you were self-employed as a YouTuber or whatever, it's still something you're going to have to think about. I mean, because it's part of the part of the business you're going to do. Right. I mean, um, I know yeah. I, I couldn't get by without Internet. It's just too important to me. We, we're, we use it for all kinds of things. So it's just something you got to have. And it's just, you know, it's to me, it's almost it's not quite where electricity's at. But in today's age, it's getting real close, you know, just the needs of, unless you just got to have a job that totally doesn't have anything to do with anything like that, then I guess you can get by without it. But for most people to have relationships with family or anything, you're going to need some internet, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, luckily for me, my cell service is working pretty good for my data right now, you know, and I, I can do most everything I need here, but yeah, sometimes if I need to, you know, get internet, sometimes we had this company called unlimited bill. And I don't know if you heard of them, super expensive. They were super expensive. It was kind of a ripoff, you know, but we were doing that because it was unlimited. We were doing the AT and T they have a plan too, where, you know, they, you, they basically send a card to you and it's like a prepay where, but they give you like, I think, I don't remember how many gigs it was. I want to say it was like a hundred gigs maybe, but you know, they what I found called is that unlimited more, too, didn't they? They all call some yeah, stuff yeah. unlimited, but it's not really unlimited. No, no, it's not. Even the unlimited bill wasn't unlimited yeah. when you looked at the fine print. Yep. They're like, it's unlimited until you go up to this many gigabytes <laughs> right. and then, you know, they're going to slow you down. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's been working good for me. I can watch Netflix and stuff on my phone, but uh, eventually we'll probably end up with Starlink. I think that's what we're yeah. going to go with out here. Yeah. It seems to be the most reliable. Well, you got your water uh, collection. You got mm-hmm. your solar. You had a septic system put in. You got internet. You mm-hmm. got everything you need there or what else? We, we What else you've been working oh. on? A garden yank, a chicken coop. I mean, you're, you're making progress here. <laughs> yeah, we're making progress. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, it's a grind. I mean, it's definitely a grind. I 
I have to, you know, I took time off work right now to do this. Like, you know, I'm not doing any, you know, side work or anything really, except for the thing you see behind me. I do a couple side side jobs, but yeah. now the idea was is I was going to start a farm out here. You know, I wanted to actually make a living farming, but that's a very broad uh, statement, though. You know, it's like, okay, you're going to make a living farming. What does that actually mean? <laughs> so you know, or cattle, <laughs> anything right, right. <laughs> exactly so so you know that's been part of it is kind of like narrowing it down to what i want to actually do out here for money you know yeah. because you know otherwise i'm gonna have to go back to to doing some welding and stuff too because you know i've been taking my time doing this full time we saved some money you know came out here and you know the money starts to disappear that's another thing you know you need to know your budget <laughs> before you come out and do this kind of thing yeah you know so but we're okay it's just that you know, the idea, though, to stay on track with my plan is that I need to have a farm, you know, up and running here within sure. this next year. So so right now I'm, I'm going into the peppers, the hot peppers. That's what I really want to do. That's something I'm passionate about. Down there, that's ideal. What's the ideal crop down there, really? I mean, as far as being able to grow it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm doing right now. In fact, right now I'm germinating. I, you know, I went online to a seed company that, that specializes in hot peppers and, you know, got all the super hots and, you know, out here, there's a, a thing called a chiltapine. I don't know if you're familiar with the chiltapine. No, never heard of well, that. The, okay. The chiltapine, uh, for, for Hispanic culture, it's like the spice. Like that's, that's like, if, if you ever meet a Mexican out here, Every single Mexican knows what a chiltepine is. It's it's part of Sonoran cuisine. So basically, it's this tiny little pepper. It's a it's a circle. And mm -hmm. let's say they call it a bird's eye pepper, and they call it the mother of all peppers because I, apparently this is the only native pepper plant in the United States. So they 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 grow in the wild out here um, in certain spots here in southern Arizona. Anyways, it's a valuable pepper. Um, it's, it's a very valuable pepper plant. And, uh, I used to sell them on the side when I was living in Tucson. So I started, uh, collecting some good seeds for these chiltapines and that's something I want to get into as well. Is it really hot pepper or? You know, it's pretty hot, but it's not like super hot, like the super hots. It's just, yeah. it's a, it's just a spice that everybody uses out here that, that eats, you know, Sonoran cuisine, you yeah. know? So, so I, I discovered it because I had a lot of Mexican friends, you know, and they would say, you know, they'd be like, oh, you need to try these chiltapines. And I, I didn't know what a chiltapine was. And I'm from Ohio. So I was like, all right, what's a chiltapine? And yeah, they hit you hard when you first bite into them, but they're, but the heat goes away quick. It's not well, it some of the hottest fat. peppers you're growing. Oh, I got, you know, some Carolina Reapers. I got all the, you know, the scorpions, the different types oh, of scorpions. Yeah. Uh, like my nose was <laughs> yeah the seven pots and all that it's it's uh and i'm also growing moringa trees are you familiar with moringas yeah 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 so i'm growing some moringa trees out here as well so nice, those, yeah. so i'm gonna experiment with a few different things this first year so that's what this first year is of farming is for me is to just kind of put my hooks out there and try a bunch of different things growing you know i've always heard that you should grow your passion first you know, is what, you know, what I was, what I was hearing, you know, with farming, it's like, Hey, if you want to start some type of a farm, you know, you might want to try something you're passionate about. So for me, you know, it, it was peppers. I, I like, I like, you're not going to have fun doing it. Why do it? Right. 
<laughs> right. Like I wouldn't be having fun with cattle or something, you know, it's just not but, something I'm into. Yeah. What's your market plan down there though? I mean, it's probably not a farmer's market area. Is it? It's probably more like selling to, um, well, the marketing from, yeah, we do have farmer's markets here. Uh, okay. not, not here, here, but yeah, yeah, I would have to travel quite a bit to go to those. Um, so, so initially with the peppers, the idea, the thing I like about peppers is, is that you can sell that pepper, you know, plant, a lot of gardenings like this, you can sell at any stage, you can sell something, you know, so whether you're selling the plants, whether you're selling the seeds, you're selling the actual pepper itself, and say you couldn't sell the pepper, you can make make uh, spices or, or powders out of them and things like that. So, so yeah, I feel I like with that, there's a lot of different you know, avenues you can go with it. I think some of it's definitely going to be online. Yeah. You know, speaking of internet, I mean, what, what don't you do online anymore? You know? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that's kind of what, what I thought through. I said, you know, the cool thing is, is that you can sell it at any stage. So, you know, if you figure, if you can't figure out your marketing by then, you know, then at least you'll have something at the end of it, whereas some yeah. things are perishables, you know, they're gone, they're gone. You know, you, you have to have, uh, you know, like I could grow basil easily out here, for example, but where am I going to, where am I going to sell all of it? Right. Exactly the point, right. That you're making. It's like, you could grow a lot of things, but if you don't have a plan to, to sell it, yeah, you're just going to be stuck with a bunch of basil, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause I've grown things like that too. There's just no market for them. Like some people say, well, we sell microgreens. Well, in some places you can't sell microgreens for anything. Other places you can't yeah. keep them in stock. Everybody wants them, you know? And, and it's just like that. With yeah. It just depends on your area. And also you got to find a passion for it and then a market for it. And yeah, well, everything's got to kind of click, but if it all clicks, you got yeah. something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're right about the microgreens. Cause I, I've been, messing with those for years and same thing it was just like you know it just comes down i mean almost anything comes down to marketing you know because you yeah. can sell just about anything but it, like you said if you don't have a market for it you know i i, I see all these clickbaity things about microgreens you know oh you know you can make you know fifty thousand dollars you know selling microgreens you can, I, if I it's just, in the right place yeah <laughs> you're in the right place I'm hey, sure and you again could. you know internet kind of takes out that you know, that area thing for marketing, but if it's something that can be sold online, you know, like seeds, for example, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that makes, that opens up a whole door there with microgreens. That's more difficult unless you're selling like kits or something like kits or something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, there's, there are ways you can do it, but you're, you're right. I mean, there's just, there's limits on what you can do in your area and what you can do online, but with all of us working together and, and everything's clicking right. Yeah. You can make a living doing it. Yeah. And I can always fall back on the welding. That's, that's one thing, you know, is having a trade, you know, is, yeah. is, is nice. Cause I yeah. can always fall back on it. I, I, you know, I don't have to worry about, Oh, if, you know, if it really comes down to it, I'm like, well, <laughs> time to load up the, the machines, you know, and, and uh, start you know, I do the business. same thing. We do a lot. I do like a bunch of different things to make money. I drive trucks still for a couple of days a week, but then we do, you know, I have, I will work on some cars and I'll, you know, sell some products from my garden and I will, you know, I do things online yeah. with the podcast and with blogging. And then I also have like a laser engraver and we do some laser engraving and, you know, we just I had one a whole of those. bunch of things. Yeah. yeah. And it's just fun. Cause you're doing a whole bunch of different things to kind of bring money into the, the home and you're not really, you're diversified and you're not depending on any one thing, but yet you still make a decent income. And you know, if one thing goes away, maybe you can pick up the other things to, to kind of go with it. And it's a good plan. I like it. You feel more secure like that. And, and to yeah. me, I feel less burned out than just spending, mm -hmm. you know, 70 hours a week doing one thing too. Yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, 
you know, I definitely admire that my wife can do it. You know, she's, yeah. she's, you know, she's got it. She just has a career that she found something that she's passionate about, which, you know, that's rare sometimes, I think, to find like a, a, a good living, you know, doing something you're passionate about, which is why the homesteading is so awesome. You know, it's just, it's, I love it. I just love the, uh, you know, the idea of being self-sufficient in general. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, and also, you know, like you said, the next chapter is I'm going to be learning marketing and how to make a living off of homestead. You know, that's, that's the, that's the challenge right there. Well, you did it. You got on 15 acres of land. You've, you've pretty much got your off grid homestead established and, uh, you started on this journey, but, uh, what, what have you learned? What, what, what has it taught you? Well, you know, to answer this question, let's see, I would say time management for me specifically. Yeah. And I think everybody has their, their shortcomings. And for me, managing all the jobs that need to be done doing what I'm doing, it can be very challenging and you have to be good at delegating and you have to be good at, you know, being very disciplined on your time on saying, okay, every morning when I wake up, I have to go fill these sandbags because they're part of my house. doesn't matter how I feel. doesn't matter, you know, what the weather's like. doesn't matter anything because I look at it as if I am my boss that's what working for yourself is. So, you know, and luckily, like I said, I've been working for myself for a long time. So I've already learned that, but I think people coming out and doing this would have to understand depending on what capacity you wanted to do this. The thing I like about it is, is that we all can do it at our, you know, you can homestead at any capacity. You don't have to do it the way I'm doing it. This is kind of a little extreme where, you know, but, but if I was living in a normal house in a normal place, I would still be homesteading. Yeah. You know, I still love it. So, but, but for me, time management has been a big thing. Like it's just learning how to manage my time and to make sure that I'm not spreading myself too thin with all these different projects. So that's been the challenge for me. That's been like the, probably maybe the toughest thing you've had to deal with or. I, I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. everything else I kind of, you know, the weather and all that I've lived out here for so long. I was already kind of, you know, aware of what was going to happen out here, yeah, but, but yeah. yeah, for, for me, yeah. Running a homestead is, is it could be challenging, you know, if you're doing it all, you know, if you're trying to do everything yourself. What's your favorite thing about it? I mean, is, is it the, is it just the freedom or is it just enjoyment? For of me, it? Yeah. The physical activity has been my favorite thing because like I told you, I, I had a very physical, you know, youth where I, I just always like to be moving and like to be doing things like this is the most I'll sit all day is doing this podcast, you know, but as soon as I'm done, I'm out there, I'll be doing stuff until the sun goes down. You know, yeah. and I like, I like being able to physically work. It's just, some, that's what I love about it. Um, it, it, it can also be one of the more challenging things too, depending on how you feel. You know, if you, if you wake up and you're not feeling a hundred percent, you know, well, that can be a challenge too. Uh, but yeah. you know, but yeah, that's what I like. I like that freedom to be able to move around, to have space. I, I have found a lot of freedom in homesteading and a lot of things that actually tie you down in homesteading, but they're and to me, it's in a good way. It's like, you know, you can't, I find I can't go away from the house for as long. You know, if you got yeah. animals, you got to feed, you got things you got to do. And I mean, I, I know you got chickens. Don't you have rabbits too? I thought I seen something about rabbits too. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's animals that tie you down, you know, and things like that, you know, that's funny. You bring it up. That just happened to me. Like we, my wife 
you know, wanted me to go with her on a trip for a few days. And it was a logistical thing. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, we had our 20 year anniversary this year too. And that was, uh, we went to Hawaii. And so that was, I mean, it was awesome, but man, that was a challenge because yeah. like you said, I have dogs, I have goats, I have chickens, you know, and uh, a rabbit at the time only had one rabbit, but, but that, that made me really realize I was like, Ooh, you know, there's some, there's some things you got to work through here. That's kind of why I'm leaning more towards the plant side of things out yeah, here is because yeah. it's the one thing I like about plants. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, <laughs> you can automate it. That's great. I mean, that's a good thing to think about because, I mean, a homestead doesn't have to be what everybody thinks of a homestead being. I mean, you can set it to fit your life. And if animals don't fit into that homestead, that's fine, you know, or you just set it up the way you want it to be. And I've seen some people, their homestead is nothing but animals. And some people, it's nothing but garden. Some people, it's a combo. I mean, it's 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 what you want it to be. I've seen orchard, you know, homesteads where they just have trees, you know, and really nothing, not a whole lot else. I mean, it's just... It's what you want it to be, and you can set it up and design it. You can design your lifestyle to be what you want it to be. Well, it's like your podcast is called Modern Homestead, yeah. and that's that's something I try to look at. I say, how can technology help me? For example, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing if it weren't for the technology with solar. Mm-hmm. You know, like the way solar has come so far, and it's still getting better. You, you know, know, I would not be able to live without electricity, huh? <laughs> negative exactly i don't have any desire to live without internet i don't have any mm-hmm. desire to live without you know just just it's just, so when it comes to homesteading one of the things that i have considered with the farming side of things is that the reason that i'm getting away from animals a bit i'm still gonna have animals yeah, yeah. but as far as making it like part of my like my career it's a big negative for me is like the ability to be tied down to like i can't travel i can't go anywhere you know, I don't, I don't know if I like that. You know, I guess you could hire a farm and I guess that's what they do in those situations. But I never knew too many farmers growing up that left. <laughs> you, you do that or you do it like in chunks. Like there's people who just do the Cornish cross for eight weeks, raise a couple hundred of them, do their sales, do their stock, their freezers, and then they're done with them for the year, you know, and they have two, three months of raising chickens and they just do that. Or, you know, it's like with me with quail, I go in and out of season with quail. Like I'll raise them for a while and then I I'll stop raising them for a while and you just, you know, stock your freezer up and you get some more eggs later and start over again. I mean, you can do it that way or, you know, and make mm-hmm. it fit your lifestyle. Or like you said, you can bring in a farm hand or you can uh, trade off with a neighbor. You know, if you don't have a lot of neighbors there, but if you do have a neighbor close right. to a farmer too, Hey, you take kind of help run things here for a couple weeks while we're gone. When you're on your vacation for a couple weeks, we'll kind of help run your farm. I mean, you can do things like that. There's ways around it. You can be creative sure. and, and make it happen. Yeah. But if it fits your lifestyle and if it doesn't, well, that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's a better way to put it is if I, if, if I love having the animals, I mean, that's the one thing is it's a, it's a double-edged sword because on the mm-hmm. one hand, I love my dogs. I mean, my dogs are everything like they're my favorite thing, you know, coming out here is like, you know, I got two dogs that are totally awesome. They, they, they're in heaven out here. You know, they can run. run around. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, when I go to leave, it, it can be a problem because then I'm like, okay, even though they can run loose on this property, like I've left here three days at a time and they're, they stay right in the area. You know, they don't, they don't take off or anything like yeah. that. But, but you know, it's still a logistical thing. It's like having kids basically, you know, and you got to go, all right, well, how are my dogs going to eat, you know, or what, what am I going to do about that? What am I going to do right. about the water that kind of stuff? But, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm, I'm sure there's so many people out there that probably listen to this and say, well, I do it all the time, you know, with their animals. Like you said, they, they, there's probably people that have figured out all kinds of hacks 
you know, like yeah. you said, just seasonally doing it. But know, it is a question that idea. comes up a lot. I see it popping up a lot. What do you What do you do for when it's, when you want to take a vacation or get away for a little while? And people ask that question all the time. Maybe they've only been doing this for a year or two, and now they've mm-hmm. just now really started thinking it through. Like, oh, now you know, I didn't really think about this. But what do we do when we want to take our two week vacation? You know, or whatever. And and it's something they maybe didn't think about. So it is. I'm glad you brought it up because it's something. It is something to consider for sure. Do you do you uh, travel? Like, do you guys go on vacations or you? We you do not. Stay? Like I told you, we bought a camper and we keep it at a seasonal campground. So we'll go away for like weekends at the camper. Uh-huh. And that's it. I mean, we just really don't go hardly anywhere else more than a couple of days. And that's kind of our vacation time. That's how we get away and we'll go do a little <laughs> fishing or whatever. But we can do it several times a year, you know, which is nice. Yeah. yeah and you have a. You said you have quail. Do you have a lot of them or just, just uh, off and on? Said, yeah. There's times I've had as many as a hundred here, and I, you know, and there's, yeah. So yeah, I can, but then I'll butcher them all down to nothing and, you know, and then start over a few months later or something. Just kind of go back and forth with it. Kind of wherever my mood is. Yeah, and we got rabbits I, too, and do the same thing with rabbits. Yeah. So what's your biggest, I'm going to ask you a question. What's your biggest <laughs> challenge out there? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I grew up in that area, but I don't, I've been, it's been so long, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, Winter is my biggest like. challenge because I'm just not a winter person. <laughs> I mean, it's just, oh, okay. you know, I mean, I like to garden and I like to tend the trees and I like to take care of animals, but all that is either impossible or harder in the wintertime, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's definitely long winters too, right? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, we have four, four seasons here, but you know, and it's a decent, it, it's probably a really healthy environment and it's really good for the garden and the soil and everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a person who just loves sunshine and warm weather, you know, and I have a greenhouse and stuff, so I can do a little bit, but I have to heat that greenhouse and that's a challenge. And, you know, we grow indoors and that's a challenge and feeding animals in the wintertime, that can be a challenge, you know? So, I mean, there's mm. wintertime is probably the biggest challenge here for me anyway. Have you messed with uh, mushrooms at all? Yeah, I would put in a uh, uh, mushroom bed. Uh, oh, the red top mushrooms. What do they call? Um, I don't know. I don't know much about them. I, I just yeah, I put I'm in a mushroom bed and, and grew them for a couple <laughs> of years. Yeah, they they did okay. I mean, they didn't do great where I had them, but I think that was mostly my fault because I didn't get the bed. I didn't keep the bed moist enough where it was at. Mm-hmm. So I did, yeah, I kind of suffered. But yeah, had. Had, had a good old crop, but I know a lot of people do them in their pathways and everything else, you know, wood chips and things and, and, uh, they do real well, but yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about that, that earth bag building, since it's an outbuilding, what I've been doing when the temperatures, I'm keeping track of the temps in there. And what I'm thinking about doing is actually turning that into a mushroom grow room because what you could do is you could grow the mushrooms at different times of year, different types of mushrooms that will, will survive at those certain temperatures. Cause I, wa- I looked online and I saw mm-hmm. there's like this chart of different mushrooms that grow in different temps. And I didn't even realize there's some mushrooms that'll grow in like 80 degrees. You yeah. Know? It's like, a more of a moisture thing with them. I think than it is a temperature thing. Yeah. Know? When yeah. that, in that building, I could keep it, I can control the moisture in there no problem and i was like you know it'd be really neat because i wouldn't have to put a lot of inputs into that building it would yeah, just grow be like you talking a, about the like the bag type or or growing in bags of, of or, or like logs yeah or, yeah mostly know. the bag types uh you yeah. know i i i'm just kind of playing with the idea right now because right now that's where i'm growing all my plants right now yeah that could be a good market down there for that too i mean you know that's, that's probably yeah, something you never know i might i might end up doing that so but i i, I don't mo- know much about mushrooms but i didn't know much about 
anything when I came out here. So, you know, it's just <laughs> you learn as you what, go. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing about uh, being a homesteader. I mean, everything's a new venture and you kind of just do your homework and do your best and learn as you go. And sometimes it's a complete failure at first and you keep trying or you say, I just don't think I want to go any further with that. And you give up, and go to something else. And it's just whatever you like doing. You know, I think that's what I like about it. One of the things I like about it the most is just there's there's so many different ways to do it. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I talk to I talk to homesteaders all the time on this podcast and they're all doing it different. They're all doing different things. They're all, you know, they're all living their dream and it's always a different dream, you know, and I love that. You know, it's just it's not always the same. Yeah. And you're doing it yeah. way different than I'm doing it because of where you're at and just how you are. And I think that's cool. You know, I think there's a lot of people that would relate to that more so than what they would relate to me where I'm doing it. Yeah, so I think it's really great. Yeah, I try to be careful when I, you know, if I've had people that, you know, whether it be on YouTube or Instagram that'll ask me questions, you know, I try to stay in my lane as far as saying, look, to be real, I'm, I've only been doing this for a couple of years, like I'm doing it. So I am far, far, far from an expert. And when it comes to growing in places like where you live or, you know, the environment's completely different. So, you know, for me to give someone advice on a homestead and, you know, Minnesota or something, you know, would be kind of crazy, you know, because it'd be like, look, man, yeah. I could tell you about here, you know, which is like Mars, like I said, but, you know, I can't, I couldn't really tell you much about Alaska or anything, you know, right. like, so, so, so like you said, that's what it is. It, to me, it's a broad thing, you know, it's a, it's on a, you know, a, some type of a, a spectrum, maybe, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, your, your, your lifestyle self-sufficiency could be, you know, I've always said you could do it in an apartment, you know, because you could, okay. you can grow mushrooms, you can grow microgreens, you can learn, you know, and I would say that's one thing is I'm always learning out here. That's, that's one thing. Another thing that I really like, you know, is that I can continuously learn while I'm doing this. Yeah. And it keeps me stimulated, you know? Sure. Uh, well, that makes me think about like, Obviously, I think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who maybe aren't aren't homesteading. They're not. They haven't got started on it yet. Um, what would you tell them to do? I mean, if they listen to this, they go, "Yeah, I, you know, this guy's doing what I want to do." Maybe you're not. They're not in the exact same place you are, but you know, maybe something similar. Maybe not. But they're thinking, you know, it's just time for me to get off the pot and get after it and do this. What would you tell them to do first? All right, I'd tell them. I'd tell them what I did. I would say that start learning now. Don't wait until you have that dream property or whatever you think it's going to be to start homesteading. To me, it's I go by the definition of lifestyle of self-sufficiency. Yeah. So if you want to learn something, learn it. If you're in a place like like in a park or something, go to a community garden. If you're, you know, learn how to grow mushrooms, learn how to grow microgreens. I mean, you could, you could, there's all kinds of things you can do, but don't wait to start learning something until you get to that end, whatever you think it's going to be that utopia that you're looking for. Because I think that's a mistake a lot of people make, you know, where they, they wait until they get land to learn stuff. And I'd be like, man, I was doing this years before I bought property. I mean, I was, I was learning things a lot, lot, lot longer than <laughs> I've been out here, you know, and yeah. I still wish I would have knew more, you know, so that, that would be my advice. Yeah. Don't, don't make excuses as to why you can't start, you know, and whether it's an excuse or not, but you know, don't think that you have to wait until you get there to start. Absolutely. Man, you're singing my anthem. I say that all the time. That's exactly how I put it. Just do what you can right where you're at and start learning those skills and man, there's so much you can do. I mean, even if you just start learning how to cook from scratch, 
in your apartment. Right. That's a homesteading skill that you will need. And uh, just like start, start where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it all. Anything you can do right where you're at, start doing it. And then as you're able to do the other things, start doing those things and just learn all you can. And, you know, I, I think that's great advice, man. I love it. And that brings me to your YouTube channel. I mean, is that kind of the purpose of your YouTube channel to kind of inspire and educate a little bit on how to get started and how to do these things? You know, that is it. I, I, I'm just on there. I'm not, I'm not a fancy YouTuber. I don't have music <laughs> montages. I'm not dancing around, but yeah, it's a very simple <laughs> channel. I just go through and tell, show you what I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's off grit, G R I T. Yeah. And I chose wow. that because I feel that grit is a, an attribute, you know, that, that you need to do it the way I'm doing it. So, you know, it, it's something that I rely on, you know, cause things aren't always going to go the way you want. You don't have so, all that fancy yeah. stuff yet, but you get to a couple million subscribers, you might start dancing and stuff on there. Exactly. <laughs> you're you're right. You're right. You know, I could I could totally change that up, you know. But yeah, for right now, yeah, it's just a simple channel. I'm I'm uh, you know, I do a lot of with Instagram too. You know, I don't get into politics of these channels or these these things. I don't, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. I just those are the platforms that I use. So, <clears throat> you know, that yeah, that's it. I love it, man. I, and I, like I said, I've watched your channel a little bit, you know, since we touched base here a while back and it's good stuff, man. I mean, I just love that you're keeping it simple. You're not trying to make it look like something that it isn't. It's not about trying to be super impressive necessarily, just showing how it's done and what you're doing and, and the realities of how it works, you know, and you know, there ain't, yeah. it's, it's not a sexy thing to see a, you know, a plastic covered greenhouse or whatever earth bags no. set up or you're playing. I mean, it's nothing sexy about that, but at the same time, it's reality and it works and you're growing stuff and, you know, and you're doing it in a place that I'd, I'd have a heck of a time growing. I mean, I, I knew nothing about homesteading where you're at. And for me to go out there, I mean, I would, I would, people be like, this guy has no clue what he's doing. And they'd be absolutely right. Cause I wouldn't have a clue how to even start out there. Uh, but I do my best and I, you know, probably learn as I went kind of like what you did. And, uh, you know, you're doing it, man. You're making things happen. And I think it's great. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, it is a pet peeve that I have uh, about channels that do this uh, with this type of thing, like homesteading. I think like you have a responsibility almost if you're portraying this lifestyle to do it in a responsible way to where I'm not giving somebody a false idea of what this is. Yeah. You know, like I feel like sometimes like you'll see, I, not all of them. I, there's some good ones out there, but I'm saying some of them. I look at what I see because you or me, we can see through it. You know, we yeah. know because we're living this lifestyle. And I'll say those animals are props for a movie set. Those are, you know, they're not making money off of those animals. Right. So, so I think sometimes people can get caught up in that stuff and say, Ooh, well, such and such channel says to do this and I'm going to go buy a bunch of animals when it's probably terrible advice. You know, yeah. if, if so, I always tried to find like when I would watch channels, most of the stuff I'm watching are things that directly relate to something I want to learn. And it's always like they're a lot of times they're terrible channels, like as far as like the quality is terrible. But but it's like a tradesperson showing me how to do tile work. You know what yep. I mean? And it's like they're the best channels like for me. That, that's where I get yeah. the best information. Well, you know, you. so so. Yeah. So with this stuff, I try, I try to make it watchable, but at the same time, man, I always try to keep cognizant of that. Just say, look, don't, don't give a false impression of what this is because I, 
you know, I struggle with that myself. I've seen a lot of channels, you know, on you get on it's YouTube, it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's all of them. And I coined this phrase a while back. See, in the camping, we do a lot of camping, like I said earlier. And there's this thing uh-huh. in camping called called glamping. You've heard of glamping? It's when they go. I've and heard of it. Yeah, high end. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no roughing it at all. I mean, it's all high end stuff. And I've I've, right, I've right. kind of. Tur- uh, uh, come up with this phrase called glampsteading you know it's like where it's just a homesteading there's not really homesteading it's just this glamorous (laughs) lifestyle you know with animals in the garden you know and it's not and it's fine if you want to i'm not going to judge them if they want to live that way it's fine i just try to encourage people to think that are interested in homesteading that that may not be homesteading for you okay that's not what it really looks like if you're trying to make a living from a homestead or you're trying to do it to feed yourself that's kind of a novelty, you know, and it's right, fine. Right. If you want to live like that and you want to have that novelty, more power to you, if, but it probably cost you more. It's probably going to cost you money to homestead rather than save you money when you're doing it like that. Well, that's um, just it. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, I could see through it with the money, you yeah. know, just because I know what it costs to do this. It's expensive. Yeah. It can be expensive. I, you can live can cheap be. too, but I'm just saying, yeah, when I see some of those channels, I look at the infrastructure, I'm looking at the money, you know, just on the animals alone. And I'm thinking, man, the feed bills must be crazy, you know, to feed these animals, you know, or, or yeah. So, so that's, that's really my thing. And that's why I like, like, I like channels and and podcasts like this because it's like practical information, you know, like I can get on here and listen to something, even if it's something that's out of my wheelhouse, you know, that, that I think your latest one was on pruning trees or something, you know, and it, you know, and it's like, you know what, I still listen to it in the background because, you know, sometimes like I will catch something, a little something, a little tidbit of information and the beauty of podcasting that's even better than YouTube is that I can listen to this while I'm working. Whereas YouTube, I have to stop what I'm doing to watch. So, so my yeah. stuff's more of the end of the day stuff that you watch, you know, maybe when you're chilling right. out, but like a podcast is great. I've learned so much information off podcasts, man. It's not even funny. It, I, it's I mean, my favorite to me to, to listen to because or just to in digest, because like you said, you can do anything. I was, when I first started listening to podcasts, I was truck driving, you know, five, six days a week. And when you're driving down oh, the road, yeah, you yeah. just listen, you know, and, and now if you're out gardening, you listen to the same whatever. song so many times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it is great, but I love YouTube too. I mean, I spend, uh, one of the things and I've said this before on other podcasts that I've been on, uh, folks, uh, one of the things that got me in when I first, you know, I had a cancer diagnosis and I wanted to get into homesteading. Um, and I just didn't think I could do it. I'm a small piece of property in a town. And I was like, I, I can't, you know, I don't know what I could possibly do in a small, with a small piece of property. And uh, I was encouraged by a YouTuber. Uh, it was uh, some folks called, um, they were in Southern California. Why am I drawing a blank on their name now? The Dervais family, the Dervais family. And they're, they're okay. urban homestead, they're urban homesteads, what their homestead's called. And um, they had a, you know, huh. a, I think as a, a third of an acre or something like that. Not even that big, I don't think. Fifth of an acre, fifth of an acre. And they were growing 6,000 pounds of food a year on this wow you know, small yeah. piece of property and and i saw that and i went well i could do that i mean i can just fill my whole backyard up with raised beds and plant some fruit trees and i could do the same thing you know and and it was it was youtube that really gave me that kind of confidence that i could do it too where i was at so yeah i love YouTube, yeah. and i love i love that people are out there sharing their stories showing what they're doing and even if some of it is a little bit on the glampsteading side I find encouragement in that. I mean, I think I look at that and I go, that's inspiring. You know, if I could do it and make it look good too, that's great. If not, you know, I'd rather <laughs> just have the food on my table, you know, 
kind of where I'm right. at. Right. And that's, that's another thing to consider. You know, that's, that's what I tell people. I say, look, you know, I don't have anything against people making a living. It's just like you said, if, if, if they're making a living off of those channels, you know, more power to them. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that I just more warn people to say, look, you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt, though, because, you know, you probably want to get more resources to pull from to, to get your information. That's yeah. another thing is I spread out. I, I whenever I'm researching something like with the solar, man, I was, you know, Will Prose, of course, everybody knows that guy. But he's you know, there were all kinds of channels I had to go to to get that information. It yeah. wasn't just one source. And I would fact check, fact check, fact check, because I'm messing with electricity. You know, I don't, yeah. don't want to die. Right. So, so I even had an electrician come and look at everything too. You know, that was yeah. another thing, you know, so, so I'm not afraid to go ask for help when I need it, you know, to say, Hey, can you, I would feel better if you just look through everything here and tell me if everything's grounded properly and you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Just, just expand, you know, try to find multiple sources for whatever you're trying to learn and try to, pull from them because you know i tell my kids this I, I said you know you just don't understand what it was like for say you and me growing up when we had an encyclopedia britannica was our research <laughs> in order if you wanted to learn something you better hope somebody in your neighborhood knew how to do it and there was no way to really fact check whether that person knew what they were talking about or not you know yeah. so you just kind of i mean look at all the like i say look at all the wife's tales that we we believe growing up you know the world has <laughs> changed a lot but i'll tell you in a lot of ways it's gotten a lot easier I, I remember when i first started driving a truck for a living this was back in like 93 uh -huh. or 94 we had no cell phones no gps no, I mean, you're, yeah. you're stopping and using you know pay phones and you're breaking open big old atlases <laughs> of maps across the dashboard trying to find your way into a place i mean it was it was a different i mean you didn't think it was that hard back then i mean you did it but you didn't know what you, you didn't have you know now we have stuff that makes yeah. it you know so much easier and even with homesteading and and youtube and learning things i mean there's just there's so much information at our fingertips and so many things mm -hmm. so many tools that make the jobs that we do easier that we just don't even realize it i mean you got you talk to an old timer man and they they can tell you how bad you know things were rough or things were i mean we they didn't probably think it was nothing you know nothing different i mean for them because they didn't know what they didn't have right so right yeah, things are we are we live in a, a very in a lot of ways a blessed time because we can just yeah learn things you know that <laughs> it would have been so easy to learn 30 years ago even yeah i mean we're doing i mean the way i'm doing it i kind of laugh at it sometimes because uh i heard some comedians say this about the survival the survivor show you know it's like we do this as a game you know, like there's people that live like this for real, you know, yeah, and, and right. like, and uh, I mean, I'm out here like, you know, doing this stuff, but it's like, I'm doing it because I choose to do it. Yeah. You know, it's not like, it's not something I have to do this, you know, and that's, yeah. that's something to keep in mind too. It's like you said, uh, the old timers, like they did it because they, they had to make a living or they had to eat or they had to survive. Yeah. I know people like yeah. that even now. It's like me. I, I think about, well, I'm a homesteader, you know, I'm homesteading and, you know, I'm doing my thing here. I'm a little piece of property. And then I'm on here talking about it and stuff. And then I run across this family once, you know, in person because they're, they don't even have internet. This is a, this is a family of like seven and they have gardens and animals and they're living in their little, their home. And it was a survival thing for them. They're just doing it, you know, because that's how they eat every day. And that's how they, I mean, not yeah. because they wanted to, because that's all they knew, you know, that's just what they do, you know? And I was like, it's, it, and that's how it was for folks, you know, back in the day. And there's still people like that. They're not trying to, 
you know, impress you. They're not trying to teach you. They're just trying to survive and they're doing it, you know, and that's, that's cool, you know, but I'm not against the folks that, you know, like you and me who are out here trying to inspire people to even do it right. a little bit because I, I started this for, it was a health journey for me when I got started. It's grown into so many mm-hmm. more reasons for me. For you, it was kind mm-hmm. of a health journey. It was about your depression. It, it was. You know, and it was a health journey for you. And, and now it's probably turned into a lot more than that. Uh, it's You probably do it for found a whole bunch of reasons you want to do it now. Just like I had. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I, I, when I do my videos, one of the things that I'm doing this for is because it actually inspires my, it's, it's almost a selfish reason because I do it for myself because it's, it's cool to look back like a year ago. Like I'll do that when I need motivation and I'll look at like videos I did a year ago or even two years ago or a year and a half ago just to see where I started. And then it's like nice to have that, that, you know, journal almost that online journal. And it also keeps me motivated because say, if I get on here and I tell somebody I'm going to do something, well, guess what? I got to do it now because I just told a bunch of people that I'm going to do it. There's a level of accountability to being public. Yeah, there is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it it keeps me accountable and it keeps me motivated to, to be able to have that as a journey. So I would tell people to do it regardless, even if you're not going to do a YouTube channel, I'd say, yeah, record yourself. You know, get over that fear. I mean, this podcast, for example, this is out of my comfort zone. I don't do these types of things, you know, so I'm always trying to put myself out of my comfort zone and say, yeah, you know, but if you don't put yourself out there, no one's going to know you exist. I've been doing it for seven years and still outside my comfort zone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well that's what it comes off more genuine though you know because you feel you see you know it's it's a, it's more genuine that way yeah i think, I think so too you know? yeah well brother yep. i won't hold you up i do want to point folks to your youtube channel i have a link in the show notes uh i uh, mm-hmm. i i definitely want people to go check it out i think you're doing some great stuff there uh you're pretty active on there how often do you put videos out uh I would say once a week. It, oh. it, yeah. yeah, maybe so I try to do every active, day. Yeah. Right, right. About once a week. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, you're putting out some good stuff there. Uh, like I said, they're gonna see. They're gonna see the real thing. They're gonna see what it's like you know, homesteading where you're at, and uh, and I think you're uh, very encouraging <laughs> and uh, inspiring. And I think some folks, even if they're not living in a place like where you're living, like you know, I don't live in any place like you're living, but. I find it inspiring, man. And I just love that, you know, you're getting out there and you're doing what you have to do every day to homestead where you're at and to do it the way you want to do it. And, you know, and I think that, uh, I wish you nothing but success. Cause I think you got some big plans there as far as, you know, finding your, your product, your market, your, you know, what you're planning on doing. And I hope you can turn it into a, a full time thing. And, um, for sure, I think it's going to be, uh, something great for you, no matter what, how it turns out. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, it was, it was a pleasure, man. And anytime you got something else you want to talk about, you get the market going on them peppers. You want to come on and talk about that? Whatever. <laughs> we'll, we, I'm yeah, hopefully, hopefully it. the next time I talk to you, yeah, I'll, I'll be wearing <laughs> a nice shiny suit and uh, I'll be marketing. Nothing but marketing. <laughs> All right, man. Great stuff. Well, thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free It's a modern homestead Build a 
like we do here every day Snapping beans like Grandma did Sitting on her front porch Hunting and fishing like a kid Once you've done all of your chores It's a modern homestead Today 